All right, welcome to the Football Outsiders live cast and podcast. It is August 4th, 2022, Thursday. Uh, Football Outsiders Almanac 2022 is out, and we are here to do a couple of team previews. We're going to talk on today's show about the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders. Yes, they have a name now. Uh, with Rivers McCown, who wrote those two chapters in the book, and Mike Tanier, as always. But first, uh, we'll talk a little bit of news. First of all, tonight is the Hall of Fame game. This is it. Real football with the real in big quotations. Uh, Mike was just uh, mentioning that Hall of Fame parlays are up for people who are really sick and really like to gamble. <laughs> the, the funny thing is we actually had one we kind of liked. Yeah, I, was, I wanted the first quarter parlay here, and I want to be able to take the, the Raiders as a first quarter parlay. That is not up yet, although I can't get them on a minus 120 money line in the first quarter. Uh, because, you know, I think it's Nick Mullins versus Jake Luton in the first quarter. I feel comfortable that could probably be a win for the Raiders. Prime Luton hours. Let's go. <laughs> I'm sad because my man EJ Perry was injury dropped by the Jaguars. I was actually looking forward to seeing him in the second half of this game, but yes. he's no longer no longer on the Jaguars. He is a free agent. So I have no rooting interest in the Hall of Fame game at this point. Well, he's got a hamstring, right? So I mean maybe he'll maybe he'll pop back up before we're all stuck. Maybe he'll here. pop back up. I have a feeling he's gonna pop back up in the XFL. Or the USFL. I have no idea how people are going to decide whether they're going to play in the XFL or USFL, and I don't think there's room for both of them. So, (laughs) yeah, there you go. Yeah, probably. Yes. There's the answer. Uh, Another other news to discuss before we get to Dallas and Washington is the announcement of an extension for Deontay Johnson, wide receiver from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this is less of a contract than other big wide receivers have been signing, which I think makes sense because he's not at the level of Terry McLaurin and Debo Samuel. And he's getting a 27 million guaranteed for a two year extension that takes his contact contact uh, through 2024. So it adds two years to his contract. Uh, it makes him a top 20 paid wide out. So we, I think we can have a debate about whether Deontay Johnson is a top 20 wideout in the NFL, but he is Pittsburgh's best wideout. And you get to the point guys hit free agency, you pay them. That's when you pay them. You don't get to choose when to pay them. So I think it makes sense for them to sign him as long as they didn't have to sign him for exorbitant money. Yeah. And this is team friendly. It is short. It is a notch below the Debo squadron. Um, which is, I think, where it belongs. You're talking about Deontay Johnson. You called him the best wide receiver in Pittsburgh. I think Chase Claypool probably should be the best wide receiver on that team and the most diversely talented, most useful wide receiver. But we're coming off Deontay Johnson, 107 catches last year, I think 108.5 air yards total on those catches. Yes, a lot of that's Ben Roethlisberger. I know he's cut down on the drops, but – this is, I think, a Price is Right deal. You get him on a short term on a reasonable amount of money, and you get to see how he meshes with whoever, I guess it's going to be Mitch Trubisky, whoever the quarterback's going to be. Yeah, I wrote the uh, Steelers chapter this year for us as well, so I'm, I'm well-versed in how those negotiations were going. kind of seemed like the Steelers were not all that interested in doing this extension in the first place, yeah. so I think you kind of get to the point where it's two years 
and that kind of helps supersede the thought that you know he's kind of small he might get banged up a little easier than some wideouts i do think he's very good though i think he's a separation machine and clearly worthy of the money yeah, yeah. it was it was a steelers negotiation they they put money on the table and walked away and said take that or whatever even right. though kevin Colbert <laughs> yeah. is gone the, the new gm's coming the same thing here's the money we're willing to offer you goodbye and then eventually you either sign it or you levy on your way out of town I mean, he could have bet on himself on free agency, yeah. and there's a good chance he would have been the best wide receiver available in free agency. Right. But this way, he gets a bunch of guaranteed money, and if something happens this year, and let's be honest, with the quarterbacks in Pittsburgh, it's possible his numbers would go down this year, even lower than what they were with Roethlisberger last year. Yeah. Um, he's got the guaranteed money now, and he's good for the next couple of years, and maybe he likes it in Pittsburgh, and he likes the stability. Right. And yeah, maybe right. he doesn't want to be the next Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And you're, you're right, betting on yourself. You've heard the reports coming out of Steelers camp about this quarterback competition. It's a pretty dire situation right now. You don't want to be betting on yourself going in and saying, hey, I caught 63 passes for 56 yards because it was once again, you know, a, a dump-off machine. Yeah. Okay. All right, speaking of uh, wide receivers, our question of the day uh, is has to do with the Dallas Cowboys, the first team we're going to cover, and it has to do with wide receivers. So the question of the day for all of our people watching. So remember, if you're watching on YouTube and Twitch, you can vote in our poll. Uh, you can ask us questions during the show. We're happy to talk to you about anything football-related. <laughs> Come on, Bill. No, no. Uh, but uh, the question of the day is C.D. Lamb. How many yards will C.D. Lamb have this year as the number one receiver in Dallas? A, under 1,100, and I picked that number because that's roughly what he had last year. B, 1,100 to 1,300, and 1,300 is his current Kubiak projection. Hmm. C, 1,300 to 1,500. Or D, over 1,500, which would likely make him one of the top five receivers in the league. Why don't you start, Rivers, as I ponder Well, huh, okay. Uh, I, I definitely like either C or D. Um, I, I do think that the way this is shaken out, especially uh, Michael Gallup not being able to come back right away, it looks like. He'll probably be out for, a couple of months, for at least a month, if not a couple of weeks. More than that. Um, so you've got that. You've got the injury to James Washington, who was supposed to be kind of the fallback plan. Um, and it, it seems like to me that offense is going to run through both CD and uh, Dalton Schultz. So I kind of like Upper. I don't know if I like him to blow up and be a top five wideout, but I do think he's definitely going to be in the top 10 unless something goes horribly wrong or gets hurt. Yeah, I like C. D suggests that it's going to be this one-man machine. And a lot of time when an offense flows through the one guy like that, it, it bogs down a little bit. There's only so much. And then that's where you get the, you know, 10-catch, 80-yard game because you're just trying to force-feed the ball underneath to a guy. So C from him being an outstanding player with an outstanding quarterback, but not D because you would need a little more of Gallup, a little more of somebody else. I know they're talking up James Tolbert down there. I know there's another young man uh, that's getting a lot of hype. TJ Vasher is getting a lot of hype. Um, it's, it's Cowboys camp. Lots of guys get a lot of hype because it's Cowboys camp and it's always like revving up these guys a little bit. I mean, it's every camp guys get a lot of hype. I, you listen, the fact is I was thinking about this. 
When is the last time you heard a report out of camp about how bad a guy looked? Jalen Rieger, Philly Eagles, every single day. <laughs> the last three years. I mean, you're actually hearing a little bit about the Patriots offense this year, but for the most part, camp is happy land. I mean, camp is everything looks great, right? If the offense looks bad, the defense looks good. You you need to follow Bears Twitter more right now. Oh, today. yeah, do I? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 this is a Pittsburgh quarterback situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it for sure. Yeah. We, last year we had a lot. We had a lot of Davis Mills problems. We had a, a big Davis Mills pick day where somebody said that was the worst uh, they'd ever seen of anybody in camp. So I mean that worked out okay in the end, right? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Now now you're happy, 100 satisfied with Davis Mills. It, oh it's yeah. Funny though, and I'm going to write about this for next week. Different camps always had different personalities. Like the Dolphins camp, give or take Stephen Ross, everything is always hundred percent wonderful and sunny and awesome, no matter what. And then the team goes out and it's kind of mediocre. Cowboys always have this, these guys that they're trying to like, this is the guy it was Rico gathers, you know, for four years, this is the guy who's going to break Rico through. So that's kind of like the, uh, th th that's the personality of this camp. Like this is the breakout candidate. Sometimes yeah. it is. Sometimes they're really right. TJ Vasher is a second year undrafted free agent. And for every JC Jackson that you hear about in camp, undrafted free agents and how they should have been drafted and they're going to be really valuable. There's like a hundred guys that you hear about with great camps they're having who just never do anything. So um, I will say I started to put together some data for uh, Kubiak overrated and underrated. And well, I did have Dalton Schultz in the list of players that Kubiak thinks are underrated. And I do think he's going to play a big part in the offense also because they can't run things just through C.D. Lamb. Yeah. And for years, Jerry seemed to prefer Blake Jarwin. And Blake Jarwin's a pretty good ball player, but it always seems like Dalton Schultz was the better all-around player. And Blake Jarwin was listed as a starter because – the owner slash GM slash de facto head coach liked him better. Now you've pretty much got Schultz in that role and you've got younger guys behind him. There should be more opportunities for him. So hopefully we have the graphic up with our projections for the Cowboys. Um, we don't see it on our end, but I'm assuming that it's up. They are projected with 9.8 uh, average wins, which is close to the top of the league, partly because they have one of the easiest schedules in the league. But they're actually projected seventh in DVOA. Remember, the Cowboys, I know we're all obsessed with their playoff loss, but their playoff loss was close, and it was to another really good top 10 team. They were the number one team in DVOA last year. Yes, there are questions about the wide receivers. Yes, the defense is going to decline because there's no way they get as many takeaways as they did last year. But this is still a really talented team, uh, that's good on both sides of the ball, that has a strong quarterback, and that faces an easy schedule. Yeah, I mean, everything that you talked about, we kind of talked about in the chapter. Um, we looked at the penalties, which is another thing that the Cowboys really went above and beyond on last year. They led the league, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's not very sticky at all. That's something where we looked at, it, you know, the past 10 or so years of leaders. Uh, I think only the Seahawks repeated and that was 2012 or 2013, something like that. So yeah, it, it's it's a situation where it seems like we're hitting regression, and we are a little bit to some extent. But they were also a so good last year, but it doesn't really matter that much. And b, you know, just that schedule is going to really help them playing the AFC South, playing uh, the NFC North, playing the NFC East. Like there's a lot of games that 
you know, we talk about their defense, you know, they can't get that many turnovers again. Well, if they play, <laughs> if they play, you know, Davis Mills again, if they play, uh, you know, a, a, a Daniel Jones doesn't take a step forward. If they play Carson Wentz a lot, like there's, there's still some avenues there for me. Yeah. Avenues for lots of tra- takeaways. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Right. For me, for this team, it's, Trying to like great, comfortable right at that place, probably in first place in the NFC East, almost certainly a playoff team. It's finding the breakthrough of the ceiling of the Packers, Buccaneers, Rams, and finding an excuse, reason, justification for blasting them through there. And it's hard to find one. It's hard to find one. They've they lost pieces in the offensive line, they lost pieces at wide receiver. Lost pieces of injury at wide receiver. Again, we're, we're looking at some regression and takeaways. How do you push past that first-round playoff loss for this team? Can't get it from the coaching staff. You're not going to expect it on that end. Where do you get that juice that you need to make this not just another Cowboys season? Yeah, and even if they push past the first-round playoff loss, then they have to get through the second and third rounds. Because I right. don't think that – I mean, first of all, I like the Eagles over the Cowboys a little bit in the NFC East. But I don't think uh, that the Cowboys look like the kind of team that's going to get the number one seed. I feel, I mean, I, Tampa Bay really feels like the best team. And I mean, obviously, lots of teams have the opportunity for the number one seed. But, right. um, you know, so then they have to make it through three rounds. And there are consistency questions and there's coaching questions, as always, about Mike McCarthy. I do think that everybody is overrating last year's playoff loss and the history of the Cowboys. Like, oh, the Cowboys haven't made the NFC championship game since 1995. Well, all I'm concerned about is the last two or three years. Anything that happened before Dak Prescott arrived means absolutely nothing to me. (laughs) Um, I I will just to go on Zeke. uh, Thordane asked if there's some sort of measurement for the relationship of force feeding touches to efficiency, which he calls the Russell Westbrook index. Hmm. I mean, I will say usually when guys have a higher sample size, they get closer to average on both sides. Like good players get closer to average with more sample and bad players get closer to average with more sample. But I mean, I don't feel like they force feed Zeke. There, There is an argument that's been made that he had some injury issues last year and should be healthier this year. And there is the value you know, we don't have a stat for it, but there is the value of his pass blocking. He's very right. good at with pickup. So it's not quite to the point of, oh, why don't they play Tony Pollard all the time? Zeke is, Zeke is toast. Like, yeah. Zeke's not toast. He's just, you know, he's another running back now. There are lots of them. You know, his strength is blitz pickup. That's not the, like, most notable strength for a running back, but it's useful. Right. Well, when he and tore his PCL, when he tore his PCL, he had uh... – 26.1% DPOA if you stop the season in week four. So, I mean, he wasn't bad, but he was healthy. I think we just get exposed so much to the Cowboys because they're on pretty much every primetime game, every midday window. And we've, we've all seen, we've all seen now 200 bad carries of Ezekiel Elliott, you know, falling down two yards past the line scrimmage. Like, look, we've, we've dealt with that. That's in our heads. That's how we picture him. I don't know that that's exactly fair. I think they kind of did him a disservice, honestly. But I, I do understand where that comes from, why we have 20 power troopers out there in mass. And I think he's better than what he showed last year. Yeah. Thordian might also have been talking about like force feeding a receiver, like CD Lamb might get force fed. 
kind yeah. of like a Jar a Jarvis Landry situation. And I, I I don't know if there's a metric for that. It's just that in the running game, if you're forcing the ball to the running game, a lot of times we can see that, and that's like you know a Brian Schottenheimer or a Jera ordered this type of thing. The receivers getting the touches, it probably because nobody else is open, they're the best option. So if they wind up being in this situation where they're getting a lot of five, six yard passes, it's probably not the receiver's fault that they're not yeah. being that efficient. It's like they need they need help. They're doing the best they can. They're getting open, catching the short pass. De- DeAndre Hopkins had this happen where if we were charting how close is the coverage on every play, mm-hmm. we would probably find a lot of plays where he was covered fairly closely and got thrown the ball anyway because it was like, well, DeAndre Hopkins is our only good receiver, so let's throw it up and see if he can make a play. Right. And that does drop your DVOA because you get a lot of incomplete passes that way. And it's likely that C.D. Lamb is going to be in the same boat this year. Yeah, but with a better. And then Brock, and then Brock Osweiler got uh, C.J. Fedora's concussed. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I lived through that. <laughs> uh, old old Eddie asks, Yeah. How did the Cowboys fare without Jerry Jones? And you wrote the chapter, Rivers. Can you perceive? Can you conceive of the Cowboys without Jerry Jones at this point? No, no. He's he is the Cowboys. Like is the entire organization like it or not i'm sure that there's uh you know you can pretend that he's gone and you know you can be like well there's not this ball of pressure anymore and a lot of people in the in the sb nation uh things we did this year uh you know they were they, they were kind of asking some esoteric questions like this and specifically for the cowboys both the playoff question and the Jerry Jones question both came up. <laughs> and and I'm, it's interesting how that kind of dominates the narrative here. I don't know how we can think about it that way, but I understand why people want to think about it that way because we've seen what we've seen at this point. He, he is the general manager too, remember? So it's not, it's not just what is the effect of Jerry Jones, the owner and media personality, right, you know, right. who wants to be in the press more than any other owner. It's also what is the effect of Jerry Jones, the guy who picks the players. He is right. the general manager. He's he's a better owner than Dan Snyder and the Haslams, and we could probably make a list of five, five or six others. And he tends to be a better, him and Steven, be a better general manager than the revolving door of the people those guys hire, probably because they meddle with them in some way. Obviously, we've seen very good people go through Washington go through Cleveland, but like they, they, they trip on a banana peel when they walk in the door. So, you know, for better or for worse, there's sort of a consistency of mentality with the Joneses that has, that, that works that like they, they bring some pluses to the table that you wouldn't expect to offset the weird minuses that come from. I, I don't think that as GMs, you know, we talk a lot about the randomness of the draft you know, that there's some evidence that no general manager really picks any better than any general manager, or that at least if there is a difference between general managers, that it's small. I don't think Jerry Jones is on the bottom of that list, though. It's not like the Cowboys are known for having way more high draft pick failures than other teams. And they do find some guys in later rounds like Dalton Schultz who become useful players. Like, they're not like, There's no evidence, I think, that Jerry Jones being the GM is this big ego trip that hurts the team. Well, they also wanted to pick Connor Cook instead of Dak Prescott. That that did happen. A story like that. I'll bet every team has a story like that if you you go through. 
I mean, you know, who knows the teams who are like, oh, if Johnny Manziel had just fallen a few more picks, we totally had him. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, you know, they have a full scouting department that they do listen to to some degree, that they keep, you know, firewalled out of the media spotlight and, you know, money and food goes in and, and opinions come out. And, and the men, I always joke, the mentality for Jerry is go get the big, strong, fast kid. Like, they never overthink the draft. Like the guy, like CD Lamb, who he's a big, strong, fast kid, caught a million passes, go bring him in. Sometimes you see teams that, like, let's take the Jaguars, for example, that have gotten really into the three cone drill of some guy who, you know, only had four sacks or whatever. And they might make a mistake on that. Whereas the Cowboys' mistake, you can always look at the guy, like Manzel, look at the guy and say, well, I know why they drafted him. They don't reach for guys. Right. Like the, the Cowboys are another team where you go, wow, I didn't expect that guy to go for another three rounds. Right. Like they take guys where everybody expects them to be taken. And when they're wrong, they're wrong because everybody was wrong. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, are there mistakes? You know, go back. Should not have drafted Ezekiel Elliott fourth overall. Should not have given Ezekiel Elliott a big contract. Is Jerry Jones the only GM in the league who still is giving contracts to running backs and drafting them early? Dave Gettleman says hi. So, um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's not like an ego trip where we're like, oh, man, if Jerry Jones would just replace himself, the Cowboys would suddenly be really good. Um, Bill Houston asked, what is the win threshold for McCarthy to protect his job this year? I think he has to go to the Super Bowl. Sean Payton time? It's Sean Payton time. Everybody knows. I think even if they make it to the playoffs and win a game, if they don't make it to the Super Bowl, Jerry can easily say, look, Sean Payton has won a Super Bowl. Yes. He's the man I want. It didn't work. Let's replace. I think if they went to the Super Bowl, and lost, it would be hard to replace a coach who just went to the Super Bowl. Right. I think anything short of that, I think it's Sean Payton time. Well, I mean, we just had the tampering thing the other day with the, with the Dolphins, right? So, I mean, maybe there's yeah. a bidding war for Sean Payton. I don't maybe think that happens. That- Jerry needs to tamper with Sean Payton. The tampering has been done in the past. Everybody knows the connection with these guys. Yes, Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl too, but nobody likes the guy. He's won it more recently than Sean Payton. And it's next year. What what kind of deal does Payton, uh, you know, uh, non-compete deal does Payton have with the Saints? Next year he's a free agent. No, next year I think he's free. Yeah. 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 And if not, Jerry will throw a draft pick at at, at Benson and it'll be I mean, Element 65495 says Jerry hasn't made any offseason moves this year because he wants to make moves that Sean Payton wants next year. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at what happened there for sure because definitely, you know, I think they, they're like second or third on cap space right now. Like they, they did not try to replace things actively. They took a very measured approach. Yeah. Right. They did bring in Anthony Barr just now who is a good little sign. Yeah, that's a that. useful, interesting chess piece anthony barr has always not played the edge as much as he probably should so to have both him and micah parsons able to move around and play both the edge and the linebacker is a really interesting idea but um i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see by the way brian hi brian uh noel's just reminded us that mike mccarthy did win a super bowl yeah that's what i said he he's won it more recently than sean payton everybody (laughs) everybody wants to to pretend that didn't happen it's all aaron Rodgers' super bowl 
it's this herbal tea I'm drinking. It affects my memory as to what's been going on. In <laughs> you you had some Dallas props for us, I believe, before we I get to Washington. Do have some Dallas props? Let's hear what you guys think of this. Cowboys to not make the playoffs, as you might imagine, the the money line to make the playoffs is pretty like they're not allowed meat on the bone. If you're a d- disbeliever in the Cowboys, Cowboys to not make the playoffs plus one ninety five. Any takers? Not enough for me. Not enough. Not enough juice for me there. Yeah, it's probably right on the verge based on our simulation, but I still feel like our simulation is a little too conservative. And with this schedule, I just feel like Dallas is is going to make it somehow. It feels too much like betting on the Cowboys to not make the playoffs is betting on Carson Wentz. And, of course, I'm not going to do that. So let's go to another one. <laughs> Cowboys over 11. Over 11. That seems very attainable. Plus 175. I think I'd buy I'd buy, I'd buy it on a small margin. I'm sure, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put like a thousand dollars on it, but yeah, I would consider that one. Yeah, I mean, my sort of natural conservativeness doesn't want to go to over eleven with this team. I think I'd stay away from that. Yeah. It's eleven, not eleven and a half. So you have, you know, you, you do get to push on the eleven. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's tempting, but of course, I have a personal rule about betting on the Cowboys doing well. So that means I'm guessing there are no disbelievers here because under nine, now, by the way, these are all alternate win props available at DraftKings. I'm not just making this up. This is all at DraftKings. Under nine wins for the Cowboys, plus 225. Any takers at all? I think nah, if I had to pick one of those three props, I would pick the miss the playoffs at plus. Ooh. What was the miss the playoffs one? Miss the playoffs was at plus. 195, which is because they could go nine and eight and miss the playoffs. I don't think they would miss it at 10 and seven, but they could go nine and eight and miss the playoffs. It's not necessarily betting on Carson Wentz because of my belief in the Eagles, it's more betting on like Trey Lance and Kirk Cousins. Because you're also kind of keeping the Cowboys out of the wild card. You're also kind of betting on the idea that Dak Prescott continues to get hurt no matter what every season. Yeah, that's so true. like if you happen to hit that correctly, then yeah, you you you've got you got a window for sure. Well, Bill Houston has a question, Aaron. Why do you think the Eagles are going to sneak off of the division? I'm curious too. Yeah, I just really like all the talent that they've added. The projection system also really likes all the talent that they've added. It has them slightly ahead of Dallas on offense and with a slightly easier schedule. But the gap between their schedule and everybody else's, there's actually a little bit of a gap between Philly's schedule and all the other easy schedules in the NFC East. Mm -hmm. So I just – it's not that I'm a super Hurts believer. Like, for example, the worst part of their projection is special teams. But, you know, special teams is super random, right? So um, I just – I like the Eagles to do it. I, I, I like the Eagles to win the division. It is really it's AJ Brown and Hassan Reddick and um, and uh, and James Bradbury and all the talent that they had. Look, Dallas subtracted talent, right? And Philadelphia added talent. And yes, Dallas has the better quarterback, but when you look at the players around the quarterback, Philadelphia has it better. Well, let me just say we 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 talked about Dallas for thirty minutes now, right? Nobody's brought up Parsons really. Uh, he's really good. He might be like so good that that defense can't fail. That's kind of what I would bank on if I were being optimistic about them. And no one's brought up who? Micah Parsons. Oh, yeah. Oh, Micah Parsons is awesome. Right. No, and I would Bar- agree with that. And Barr gives you opportunities to do other things with Parsons. 
And you say, oh, Bar, you're going to be the, the Sam, Parsons can rush. Or we can put you on either side and we can rush. There's a lot of things you can do with that. Um, no, Micah Parsons is awesome. I mean, our projection for them on defense is still top 10. Right. Yep. With, with Parsons and, um, I mean, Diggs is not going to have as many interceptions, but he's probably also not going to give up as many yards. He's probably going to regress in both areas. So he's still a useful player. Right. And Lawrence has got to play more games, very, very likely. This, this is, should be a quality defense. There's no question about it. And on offense, they may have the receiver problems and the questions on the offensive line, but they have the quarterback. I'm a big dad. If, if we were writing, because we do all these offseason pieces, this is about biggest holes and you know what, what's the big pre-draft hole what's the big post-draft hole if we did this today it'd be pretty obviously receiver because of the injuries yeah. um but but other than that like i had a hard time this offseason really sitting down and being like well this spot's pretty weak linebackers weak defensive line is weak cornerback yeah. is weak and we kind of rotated them all because they all could be weak in like some <laughs> weird situations I, to, to but, but like it's a very solid with team the pass rusher other than Lawrence, if Micah Parsons is not lined up at edge, that other pass rusher is like Sam Williams is an interesting rookie and Dorrance yeah. Armstrong is Dorrance Armstrong is just a guy and Dante Fowler never became what they wanted Dante Fowler to become. And I think the edge rush, if Parsons is not playing edge rusher, the edge rush is a, is a question. Right. Um, Maybe. Don't forget, Football Outsiders Almanac 2022 is available now. You can get it on Amazon for the big physical copy. If you're watching this and you are not an FO Plus subscriber, you want to be an FO Plus subscriber. FO Plus, go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. It gets you not just the electronic version of the Almanac. It gets you the Kubiak preseason fantasy draft tool, constantly updated with things like Tim Patrick getting tearing his ACL, it gives you the weekly fantasy projections during the season. It gives you all of our fantasy research tools and picks against the spread. FO Plus, you definitely want to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. All right, let's turn our attention to the Washington Commanders, who are sort of an interesting team where I feel like even though our we, we know that our um, – our uh, simulation is more conservative than Vegas. We came out lower on Washington than Vegas. And I think we're clearly lower on Washington than conventional wisdom. And I think the reason why is, despite the fact that he was average statistically last year, we are really down on Carson Wentz, both the projection <laughs> system, because it's incorporating what Carson Wentz did two years ago, and us subjectively just there's a lot of belief among all of us. Uh, I'll throw Derek Klassen in here, too, because of his belief in what Ryan is going to do with Frank Reich in Indianapolis, that Frank Reich made Wentz passable last year, that without the Frank Reich offense, this is no diss on Scott Turner, but we don't know what we're going to get out of Scott Turner, that Wentz is going to decline in Washington. And even though they're Washington, the defense has to be better because they can't be as bad as third, on third downs as they were last year. Um, that this team is just, this is not a playoff team. Do they have to be better when Chase Young looks like he might miss the start of the season, though? That's, That's one of the yeah. pieces of bad news coming out of Commander's camp right now. And I, I get the impression that the Commanders are one team when you look at them on tape, paper, especially from a fantasy standpoint, where you look at 
the receivers, especially now Samuel's back. He's starting to, to actually practice again. We'll see how long before he practices for real, for real. There's a dichotomy before between the fantasy look and the frontline talent look, if you count Chase Young and those guys. And just what you see when you look at the, the, the sum of the parts right now. I think that might be why we're below conventional wisdom, because forget the subjective element of that. When you throw all these pieces into the blender, they don't come out looking particularly good. I mean, I will point out we have their defense slightly above average. Like we know, for example, first of all, look, there is so much talent on that defensive line, even if Chase Young isn't healthy to start the season. They've got to be better than what they were last year as far as pass rush. And the secondary, right? We know guys like William Jackson were better the year before last. There's got to be some positive regression from the secondary. The problem is that the offense, yes, I mean, they've got Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson is an interesting player. And, and Joe, John Dotson is not a favorite of playmaker score. Uh, they're depending a lot on him, a rookie. You just don't know what you're going to get out of a rookie. A lot of it just comes down to Wentz. We just don't like their offense. <laughs> and I think going back to the defense for a second, um, we brought this up in the in the book. Um, obviously, there's big regression potential here because of that third and fourth uh, pass DVOA, which is really just awful, worse in the league. Um, but at the same time, they didn't really change a lot. And a lot right. of teams that do get better, uh, that do regress up, have actually made a lot of changes. Like we noted in the book that the Raiders uh, replaced like five or six starters. Uh, the Commanders are bringing back their seven most uh, – players with most snaps from last year and they didn't add like a lot of new depth either it's more just hey here's phil darian mathis at defensive line and good luck guys you'll be better this year they're depending on the idea that the veterans will regress guys like jackson and that the youngsters will get better that benjamin st juice will be better that jamin davis will be better yep it's that's a lot that's a that's a lot to put on the linebacking court does not look particularly great you look at great Ron Rivera defenses, they've got the excellent linebacking core behind the defensive line. I don't necessarily see it. Guys haven't stepped up the way they were going to. I mean, I'm fine with 12th on defense, but I'm also very fine with 31st on offense. And, again, the comment people want, they they want violence. They want me to choose violence about Carson Wentz. I get it. But mathematically, why is this offense 31st? Mathematically, I think it has to do in part with the Wentz projection because the Wentz projection is looking at multiple years. It's not right. just looking at last year. It's looking at the year before, and the year before he was horrible. Right. There's yeah. no reason to believe in the offensive line giving them any value. Losing Brandon Scherf is a big deal. I mean, adding Norwell is nice, but it's not a full replacement. Uh, they are depending on a rookie wide receiver. They're depending on Curtis Samuel, who's mostly been vaporware. But it really is a lot about Wentz and just what he was two years ago, not what he was last year, but the likelihood that he could regress to what he was two years ago. And the idea that he's going to come into Philadelphia and not wet himself. And that when Eagles fans bust down to Washington as they will for the Washington game, he's also not going to have, a complete emotional meltdown. Uh, it, and again, like you, we're joking. I do the whole Wentz thing. I, I, I did this before. It's over. Chris Ballard ripped him. Frank Reich yeah, ripped I mean, him. The Colts the ripped they ripped him. him. They totally did. Yes. His former employers yeah. are say worse things about him than I can ever say about him. If you don't know who this young man is now, by, by now, this is who he is. And I'm waiting to hear the redemption story about how, you know, he's like mentally tougher and changed his mindset. It's not coming. That's not coming. This is who, who he is. So if it's not... Frank Reich scheming up 
layups, play action, deep shots to a guy who's going to 50-50 ball for it. If it's not that, you're going to see left-handed shovel pass once again. I, I will say in his defense, but not, not his defense, but in Scott Turner's defense, Scott Turner was second in the league in rate of play action last year. So they will be dialing up play action for Wentz. They will protect him with play action, absolutely. Right. So well, that's going to be a problem because he can't move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the problem with Wentz he can move just well enough to think to go into Michael Vick mode in his brain and start trying this. Right, right, yeah. right. That, that's when all the worst things happen. Mike was talking about the, the the fantasy value kind of shock value look at the team. And yeah, it does sound good that you're going to like Terry McLaurin and John Dotson's first round pick and Samuel and Logan Thomas still here. And yeah, like those guys could be good or they could be hurt like they were last year. And then all of a sudden you're you're throwing to John Bates 10 times a game. And that's not great for anybody. And Diami Brown is hurt right now, guy they counted on a lot last year. And again, we're hearing Samuel's back. And what we're hearing is Samuel is in, on, in the back on one-on-one isolated drills on the sidelines doing his own thing. I think he was there for all of last year in that exact mode. So I, I like Samuel. I, I want to see him play. But we've, we've, we've seen this movie. By the way, I will say for those curious about the offense, uh, the one offense that is worse in the numbers is Seattle. So if you're asking, like, oh, they're 31st, who's worse? That's the answer. And I will, in Washington's defense, their schedule is also really easy. Like I said, Philadelphia's schedule is there's a gap between Philadelphia and everyone else. But Washington is the second easiest schedule in the league by our numbers. Everyone in the NFC East has an easy schedule, partly because of playing each other, partly because of playing the AFC South, NFC North. You know, we have Green Bay lower than everybody else does. Um, Chicago is, you know, a mess. Um, you know, if things go right for DC, like things could go right. Maybe Wentz has another year where he's average. Maybe the defense rebounds. This is a team where if they're average on offensive defense, the schedule could. can sneak them into the playoffs. That yeah. sounds like, go ahead. That sounds to me I was like, not, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, it, it's, it's one of those things where as somebody embedded with the Texans, like, like, I can't really come up with that scenario for the Texans, right? Like, you can't be like, oh, well, if Davis Mills becomes a top five quarterback <laughs> and then, you know, Rex Burkhead runs for 1,700 yards, everything's good. That doesn't happen for, for that team. But, like, for the for, for the commanders, yeah, you can kind of see it all coming together in that way just because of how the schedule works. I'm not saying top you know. five quarterback. I'm saying top 20 quarterback. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I can almost see it for the Texans. I keep saying the Texans, the Texans are like one of my favorite over bets because they have the lowest over under number in the league. And they have all these guys who are just really mediocre. I'm saying mediocre in a positive way in that they right. don't. <laughs> Jerry, Hughes, Jerry Hughes doesn't suck. That is, that is the best way to describe that team mediocre in a positive way <laughs> commanders kind of said that too they're mediocre in a positive yes. way yeah they are, they, they are mediocre in a positive way yeah, and i think our projection sort of says that and i think vegas says that vegas has their average at eight that's the over under at eight but um it's just it's hard to see the over story it's hard to see the, the, their defense would really have to rebound to be over like they have to go back to being a top five defense. Well, 
Jack Del Rio is finally off Twitter, though, so maybe that'll help. Yeah. Well, here's a prop for you, which I don't think anyone's interested in. <laughs> oh, good. Well, Jared Bailey, I know if you're listening, if you're watching, I know you're like you, you drank the Commander's Kool Aid, so this one's for you, buddy. Uh, Commanders over nine wins, plus two twenty-five. Awful schedule. Defense could be above average. Decent skill position players. Anyone seeing nine wins plus two twenty-five? You get push Zilla if they go nine and eight. Who's buying? I'm out over nine. I'm out over nine. <laughs> yeah, can't do it. Okay. All right. How about this? Under. Seven at plus 185. I'm much more likely to go with that. Yeah, that would be that'd be much easier to pick. It's the Giants that scare me with that. The Giants just handed them two, and then they're yeah. stealing one of the others from the Cowboys and Eagles and like a four one of the yeah, four. and then the AFC South teams, and yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. One more. Commanders to reach the playoffs. Once again, commanders to miss the playoffs. There's no meat on that bone. It's minus 200 or something like that. But commanders to make the playoffs, plus 150. Seven playoff teams. Often they're like an eight, eight and one team often makes it in there. Could any takers at plus 150 for the commanders? I would no, I, I mean, based on our percentages, I'd need to get like plus 200 or more. Okay. Like, even with our projections being more conservative and more grouped around 500 than conventional wisdom, we only have the commanders making the playoffs 30% of the time. Yeah, well, see what you've done, Carson? You've ruined this for everybody. <laughs> no one wants to bet the over. No one wants to bet the under. No one wants to do anything. It's just sort of like, let's move on to the next team. Let's talk about the Giants. That's what you've done, Carson. That's what you've done to these, these fine people. <laughs> Bring bring back Heineke. Free Heineke. He's, Let's go. He's still there. He's, he's still there. there. And I saw images of Sam Howell returning punts. Ooh. So we have that going for us. We're, we're going to see when, when we get Washington preseason prop bets here, and I know we're going to talk for hours about Washington preseason prop bets on this podcast. I, I'm calling it now. Fourth quarters with Sam Howell. I want to see that. I want to watch it. And I might want to bet it. Hmm. All right, that's our DC, uh, our Washington Commanders, I'd say DC Commanders in the graphic, like DC Defenders from the XFL. This is our Washington Commanders talk. Make sure if you're watching live, give our streams a like, subscribe to our channel, and please tell your friends all about uh, Football Outsiders live streams. Just to quickly answer, James Orange, wondering about whether the more conservative projections are due to an increasing variance in team performance or more competitive nature to the NFL I honestly don't know. They just the DVOA projections came out closer to zero this year. I think the best teams have holes and lost guys. I think a lot of the player movement from really good teams to more average teams brought teams closer together. And the worst teams are not as bad as you think. Like I keep saying about Houston and Detroit, like they're better than you think they are. So uh, next week's, uh, Live streams, a little different. We're going to be on Wednesday and Thursday next week. Next week is Wednesday and Thursday. So Wednesday is our next live stream, 1 p.m. Eastern. That'll be Robert Weintraub here to discuss 
the Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens. That is next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then Thursday, it'll be Carl Yetter to talk about the Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to the Football Outsiders podcast network, again, please tell your friends about the show. Please buy Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. It's how we make a living. And we will see you guys Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern to talk Bengals and Ravens. Take care, guys.